This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Innovation, it is said, is the enemy of efficiency. It takes time to learn what we do not know so we can learn what is possible. I think Donald Rumsfeld said it best. As we know, there are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. I love innovation, and I'm not very patient. I am excited to learn, I am curious, and I want to learn, understand, and fix what is broken or what can be made better. I'm convinced investing in innovation is the path forward to understanding how food security gets created. I am investing in people, pathways, and pilots so we can learn what we do not know. I am equally convinced it isn't what I don't know that hinders our efforts. It's what we think we know for sure that hinders us the most. Innovation not only teaches what we don't know, but it will also confirm what we think we know for certain. The Deputy Undersecretary for the USDA's Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, Stacy Dean, is an innovator. She is an active listener, learner, and leader who wants programs to serve people better. She is investing her energy in making food more accessible to people with her opportunities, and today you will hear from her about how she is innovating processes and programs to help people get the food they both want and need. She is our guest today on this edition of Food First Michigan. everyone, and as promised, Anna Almanza, our Director of Policy at the Food Bank Council, is with us. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you back with us. And now we're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool with our special guest, the Deputy Undersecretary for USDA's Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, and a frequent guest on our show, Stacy Dean. So, uh, Madam Secretary, thank you for joining us again, and I'm excited to get right to some super great news that you have to share. Oh, well, uh, thanks so much for having me here this morning, and uh, it's just a, it's a pleasure to be here and to be visiting uh, Michigan next week to um, talk about uh, food and nutrition. So I hope we get a chance to talk about that, but... Uh, this morning, we're just really excited to share with your listeners uh, the work that we're doing to strengthen the WIC program, which uh, its long name is the, um, the uh, Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children. And maybe we should talk for a minute about what WIC is and why we are uh, so excited to be strengthening it. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Well, so uh, WIC is a program that has been around for several decades. It's uh, essentially a prescription food package that 
um, uh, provides some of uh, the, its food package is supplemental to what uh, households are eating, and it's meant it's designed specifically to address where we know that pregnant and postpartum women, and of course, and infants and toddlers through age four, uh, dietary uh, what's the right word deficiencies that they have, things that they're not eating enough of that are. So important to healthy um, development, and examples of those things would be whole grains, fruits and vegetables, some uh, really key proteins like seafood. So the package is designed by age and by individual uh, to help uh, provide uh, core nutrition uh, that uh, um, uh, keeps babies healthy uh, mm. for today and for the future. And then there's incredible nutrition counseling. Um, and referral services to other really key um, uh, interventions that can help uh, pregnant moms and their babies and toddlers. So it is, and it's an incredibly powerful program. It has unbelievable evidence around it and just makes our our children and our country stronger. So with something that powerful, (laughs) uh, what can we do to make it stronger? So um, one of the things we've seen, unfortunately, is participation in WIC has been falling uh, in recent years. And so we spent some time going out and talking to moms uh, who weren't participating and asking them why not, and also talking to moms who um, were participating and saying, what could we do to strengthen this program? And the number one thing we heard back, well, actually, I don't know if it was number one, but it was a pretty top uh, mm-hmm. item, was they wanted to be able to shop online with their WIC benefits. Um, mm-hmm. They wanted, uh, particularly during the pandemic, right, they wanted convenience, um, but also they wanted safety, uh, not to put their kids at risk to, uh, to shop. And also they wanted the ability to have some options for where they shop. So we uh, are just announced that we are um, going to be rolling out WIC online shopping. We're starting with five states, um, uh, Illinois, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Missouri, and Oklahoma, and they're going to help us figure out how to make this work so that we bring this incredible convenience uh, to these families. And, uh, you know, we've got over 6 million participants in the program, and we want to make sure that they can shop where they want for the best value and the best foods for their uh, their family. Wow, that is pretty exciting news. And, you know, uh, it just the word innovation just comes to my mind here. Here's a program that's been around for uh, decades, as you shared, and yet uh, you put the client at the center of, of your focus and you listen to them. And I think that's one of the great hallmarks of your leadership, if I might say so, is that you are a great active listener. And 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 now to innovate a program that's been around for a couple of decades, I think is just spectacular. Oh, well, that's I appreciate you saying that. And of course, that's right. That when people sometimes when government says we're innovating, you want to make sure it's for the people we actually serve and not for ourselves. <laughs> so that's why we started with, I can't even remember, it was scores of listening sessions with participants, with folks who run the local clinics, with our, the stores that participate in the program to hear uh, what do we need to do to modernize and improve this program. And this was front and center, make the shopping experience better uh, more efficient and effective, and uh, and that's just meeting our clients where they're at and what they want. So we're so excited for this change. 
I love that. And I think Anna is going to be more excited than I am because she is constantly helping us be reminded that it that the work in food banks and the food bank council and everything the work is truly about the client about the folks who who need us to to come alongside of them so anna what's your reaction yes well i i think this is fantastic news um absolutely i i believe at the heart of all things it's so important to make sure that the individuals that are most directly impacted by any policies or programmatic impacts should have a, a say in how those decisions and things roll out. So this is really exciting to hear that this is coming out of um, being sparked from conversations that were had directly with, with participants themselves. Um, Deputy Undersecretary Dean, I'd love to know if there are plans for ongoing engagement with both with participants and maybe other stakeholders in this process, so the clinics, um, other other entities that might help get this program um, rolled out and at the capacity of where you hope to see this innovation going in the future. I love that their input is on the front end of things and would, would love to hear if FNS has any plans to continue to involve with participants and other stakeholders in that process. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because of course, uh, we're, it's not—it's not just one and done, right? We have to have an ongoing conversation, and I think that's both in terms of getting input on where we go next, but uh, uh, in particular, one of the things we know we need to talk to uh, people in the community about is how to do outreach, how to connect mm-hmm. those who aren't participating with the program. So we've got a great partnership with uh, a national organization that you know well, the Food Research and Action Center, um, who we affectionately call FRAC. And FRAC is uh, uh, going to be doing some, uh, they're doing regranting to local community groups who work with moms and kids who might not otherwise be participating in WIC to try different strategies on outreach, right? How to talk about the program. What are some of the barriers and concerns? So that's sort of a, that'll be a project where we both learn what uh, people don't know about the program. Maybe if they're worried or concerned or maybe the hours that we have set up don't work for them. The forms are confusing, you know, we'll see. And then we will try some innovative um, uh, outreach strategies to uh, try to mitigate against that. And uh, so that's a great example of where we don't want to just declare, here's how to do outreach uh, from uh, my office here in D.C. We want it to begin with um, in the community, with participants, with the groups that serve them, and have that inform our uh, the investments, future investments we make in outreach. So we're trying to uh, engage uh, our, our, our customers and our future customers uh, as we design the work that we're doing. Well, that's pretty special, I think, to hear because just the idea of innovating a, a, you know, a two-decade or more uh, older program and then to really be listening to as the client right at the center, which is a huge part of our national uh, emphasis at Feeding America, we really want to to put those people, uh, the people that we're serving, the families we're serving, uh, at the center. But you know, the pandemic uh, taught us a lot of things. Uh, some of them not so good about ourselves. But the innovation that comes out of that is pretty special. And shopping online uh, was one of those. And to take that what we learned there and to apply it here, um, I think is pretty special. 
So look, we've got we've got a couple of more segments to do here. So I don't want to I don't want to get rushed here. If you guys can uh, hang on with me, uh, and then we'll we'll come back and pick this up on the other side of the break. Anna Almanza, the director of policy at the Food Bank Council, and Stacy Dean, our deputy undersecretary for the USDA's Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, are our guests today, and we'll be back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us. I love this show already, and we're just a monologue and a one segment in. And here's a second segment with our Deputy Undersecretary for uh, United States Department of Agriculture's Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, Stacy Dean, who also is a Go Blue University of Michigan graduate. Go blue. There you go. I knew I was going to get one from you sometime during this show. <laughs> so um, it's great. Look, we were having a, a good conversation. Uh, Mark Blackwell, our producer here, Anna Almanza, our director of policy. And uh, there's, you know, I, I love that we're, we're innovating decades old programs, um, updating them, I will say, so that we are addressing very specific groups, very specific, uh, special populations. And, and, um, I, I think I heard that there's 6 million. We have, uh, just over 6 million, um, participants. So that's women, infants and, and, and toddlers. And, uh, we are not serving everyone. So I want to be really clear. We are inviting every eligible, uh, individual to apply. And, uh, we, this country is committed to uh, fully supporting all eligible families. So uh, if you think you might be eligible, we hope you participate. About half the country's babies participate in WIC. It has an incredible reach, um, and uh, we want to make sure everyone gets this program's benefit. Well, Anna, I think you have a, a fairly unique, um, maybe not unique, but you have a, a, a pretty cool perspective on this program and others that fall under the, uh, the undersecretary's uh, umbrella. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably a little less unique than, than we realize it is, but mm-hmm. many of us maybe are not always talking about it. Um, and I know, Phil, I've shared with you in the past that I often feel like it's my parents' story, less of mm-hmm. my own, so um, I don't always dive into that. But uh, with the conversation that Mark was sharing with, with some experience with the program, I had also shared that I myself am a WIC baby, um, and a snap kid. So my parents are what we would call non-traditional college students. Um, they didn't have the opportunity to go to college straight out of high school, um, but did have opportunity to be able to um, invest in themselves and their career paths later in life. Um, and so programs like WIC and SNAP were very important to my family um, for that period of time in my life where my parents really were working on investing in themselves and their future. And I truly do believe it had a huge impact on the path that my life, my life, where it could go, being able to allow my parents to focus on themselves and invest not only in their future, but our family's future. Um, so not only is this a professional passion of mine, but very personally, I have that connection of I don't feel like I would have the opportunities that I've had if it were not for programs like WIC and SNAP existing. 
Well, if I can just jump in, Phil, and I love that story, and I can't tell you, um, WIC is one of, many times when I meet people, when I travel around the country, they'll tell me their story, but uh, WIC is the uh, one where people just often will run up and say, I was a WIC baby, <laughs> they're so <laughs> proud to be um, associated with uh, this incredible program that um, makes such a, a critical investment, or, you know, parents will tell me about their kids, and it's just wonderful to hear. It is pretty exciting, and I think I think uh, Anna, what you shared that is is maybe not as unique and more widespread than any of us would probably uh, realize. I mean, I know myself. I've had uh, we talked about it on the show. Talked about it at the uh, field hearing for the farm bill with Senator Stabenow. That you know, my own personal experience with SNAP, and so I just I think the innovation of shopping online for for WIC, and and you also rolled this out for uh, SNAP at some level, too, as we understand. And, you know, anything in our world that helps people have access to the food that they want and need is a, is a super plus for us, and we're going to support that 100% uh, all the time every day. So I'm, oh. I'm pretty excited. Well, we are too. And I'll just note, since you brought it up, we're further along on online shopping for SNAP. That was something that uh, was meant to be piloted a few years ago. And when the pandemic came along, USDA really leaned in and just accelerated that pilot option so that families who uh, were able to shop uh, safely with their SNAP benefits. And so it is, I believe, in every state, and uh, we've got thousands of stores online. Right now, we're really focusing on trying to make sure we bring in small, um, independent grocers who might need a little bit more help Mm -hmm. to have that online shopping and payment platform. Uh, And we're doing a lot of direct work with them to expand Wix got a slightly different benefit structure and um, and relationship between who who needs to sort things out with uh, retailers. It's actually states versus us, which is so why we're going a little bit more slowly, but we're going to get there. You know, I'm reminded when we started um, we started working on this. I have three kids. I have twins and then an older son who's two years older. And so when I had to go shopping with this, I had to bring I had two carts. I had the babies <laughs> in one cart and my son, and I was going through the store. Um, and uh, and that was like, a, you know, and it got better as they got older. Of course, it was much easier. But, that you know, it's a tough time when families have little oh, kids. Man. Everything is just logistically more complicated. And the easier we can make it for families to access fresh, healthy, uh, nutritious food for the, the moms and their children, uh, that's just really, that's a part of our job as well. Well, I'm at that stage of life where um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm pops. I'm a grandpa. And so when those little kids are around and, you know, I can't imagine taking twins and another on a shopping, like managing two cars, I can barely do that with one. But the great thing about being pops is, you know, well, I can give them back, (laughs) you know, and um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that scenario, but I, you know, I just have to. You know, investing in kids is just never the wrong thing to do. Um, I, I, you know, up until just a couple of weeks ago here in Michigan, we've had a third grade reading law by third grade. And um, 
you know, I, I've, I've watched programs roll out both from the community-based side, from the corporate side, and, you know, from, from the state side about addressing needs of children, like, uh, like um, you know, how are we going to help them learn to read? And often the programs are, are pilots are centered on a program that's going to help kids learn to read. And I keep saying... Sometime, and I, I'm glad I have this show to do it, that if they're not well fed, they'll never be well read. Mm. And that's why I think investing in, in moms while they're pregnant and then investing in the babies as, and to, right on through toddlers, it's never the wrong thing to do. It's always the right thing to do. And to make that you know, take advantage of, of technology and opportunities so that they have access to the food they want and need is a beautiful thing in my mind. Well, very well said. Well, we have a, a great opportunity to have you here, and that's that's a super big news. And as you said, you're a little further along in, in rolling out online shopping with SNAP, and, and the innovations are clear. Uh, We're pretty excited, and if you have time, we'd like to take a quick break and come back for one more segment with you and, uh, and talk about some more of this innovation, what it means for the families that we're all serving. That sounds great. We'll be back in just a moment. You come back and be with us. Food First, Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with you and our Deputy Undersecretary for the USDA's Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, Stacy Dean, who is a super friend of and, and believes in this work so much for the food bank level, and also our Director of Policy, Anna Almanza from the Food Bank Council. So I wanna I wanna uh, talk about just a minute if we could about your schedule, because you're gonna be in Michigan here coming up. And uh, there's a couple of uh, two great events that I know of, and it sounds like there might be a third, but there's a summit coming up, and then there's an event uh, for one of our food banks at, at food gatherers in, uh, in and around Ann Arbor. So help us understand why we all should pay attention to those. Well, I'm, I can't wait to come uh, and visit Michigan. As you pointed out, I went to school at the University of Michigan and have a lot of great friends uh, still in the state. So um, I'm going to be visiting uh, the school system in Oakland County. Uh, we've, they've got a great uh, school nutrition director, Lori Atkins, there, and she's going to uh, be showing off some of uh, their uh, wonderful programming and the great food that they're preparing for kids. Um, and then I'm also, as you point out, uh, going to be at Food Gatherers, which is uh, the uh, uh, food bank and food rescue organization for Washtenaw County in, uh, in Ann Arbor. Um, Eileen Spring, their executive director, is pulling together uh, advocates and groups from around the state so we can, be, uh, we can talk about some of the, um, the uh, top issues facing families in need and uh, the activities that I think uh, we, for the, through the federal government, are taking on to try to do a better job to support families as well as all the activity amongst those groups. And then, <laughs> to top hmm. it all off, 
the next day will be uh, USDA and our, uh, our partners at ProMedica and the Root Cause Coalition are going to be pulling together healthcare leaders from the Midwest region, from the healthcare plans and hospitals, to talk about that uh, critical connection uh, between nutrition and health. Um, right, we just more and more evidence keeps coming out that what you eat has a profound impact on your health, both with respect to prevention and treatment. And so we want to make sure that health plans and hospitals know everything they need to know about our, our federal nutrition programs uh, so that, for example, when they're releasing an elderly um, individual, perhaps with diabetes uh, or hypertension uh, who's low income and needs help purchasing food, we don't want that patient released unless they're connected with SNAP and our other supports. Um, So we're so excited to be talking with the healthcare sector about how we can have stronger, deeper connections between our federal food programs and uh, healthcare services. We're pretty excited for that conference as well. Uh, We're always excited for what Food Gatherers does. They're kind of a pace-setting organization for for many of our food banks, not only here in Michigan, but across the, the entire Feeding America network. In fact, when I talk to a food banker and they say they want to be innovative and try something new, I say, go talk to Eileen. She's probably been doing it for three to five years. So No kidding. She's incredible. <laughs> I've known her for years and years, and uh, she's really nationally recognized for uh, being such a leader in this space. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the the, 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 the Nutrition and Health Summit with, uh, as you said, with uh, hosted it at St. Joe's and, and with uh, ProMedica and the Root Cause Coalition. The Food Bank Council, of course, are members of the Root Cause Coalition. In fact, uh, Dr. Dawn Opal, our Chief Innovation and General Counsel at the Food Bank Council, will be on a panel to talk about food as medicine, uh, which was a huge topic at the White House conference and I I think is something that is really exciting. And I'm going to say, in time, inevitable that we will be able to find uh, the right balance in funding and and access for people who are struggling with their health to have uh, the right food in their diet. Yeah, well, we so appreciate your leadership uh, in all things food, nutrition, and health. And I think uh, Senator Stabenow is going to be there with us as well. So this is, I think, an incredible moment in time. Uh, the President Biden is drawing attention to this issue, as you pointed out, through the White House conference. And we just really see this as needing a whole of government and a whole of society focus. We, uh, we can be a healthier, stronger uh, nation, starting with uh, the food that we're eating. And uh, so we've, it's a really critical conversation to be having. Well, Anna, I want to bring you in here because I know that um, you are our in, in-house uh, resident expert on policy and SNAP and all things related to people having access to food. And uh, when, you, when you have the deputy undersecretary on your show, you've really got to seize the moment. Uh, so let me bring you in and, uh, and, and share with us some of your thoughts and maybe a question or so. Well, thank you. Absolutely. I um, was very much excited to have a conversation around the modernization and innovation in particular that's happening with both WIC and SNAP um, and could, could probably talk all day uh, with the Deputy Undersecretary on thoughts on that. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled to hear where things are going with the WIC program in that space. I'm hopeful that 
um, maybe some lessons learned already from the modernization that um, happened for SNAP as well when it comes to um, online purchasing. Um, I know that there's been some issues in the last year or so with SNAP skimming, and, and FNS is working with state agencies for some fix on that. Um, so I'm hopeful to see things like chip cards and things that may be on the horizon in the future. Um, but also wanted to call out home delivery as a part of the innovation strategy. Um, I think that's something that's actively being worked on on the SNAP side, and I hope that that's something that um, will be looked at at some point for WIC. Um, but really here at the Food Bank Council of Michigan, um, under Secretary Dean, I, I really wanted to call out that that's something we're really looking at across multiple FNS programs. So recognizing that not just the benefits programs like SNAP um, can, can really serve to have that connection with home delivery, but our commodity programs, um, like the commodity program CSFD that serves seniors, or TFAP, the Emergency Food Assistance Program, a lot of the innovation of where our network is going these days is driving us towards looking at home delivery. Um, so we're really excited for work, as you talked about Senator Stabenow, opportunities for the Farm Bill and what sort of innovation can be prompted for that. Um, but even bringing up healthcare, I, even some of our pilots that we're looking at, home delivery is something we're seeing as a theme across the board, um, that the pandemic really sparked some innovation in realizing we've got to be able to get food um, to where people are able to access that and not necessarily how we have in the past, asking them to come to us. But um, would love to have an opportunity. I know I threw a lot out of there all at once, but if there's anything you'd like to touch on, in particular the home delivery piece when it comes to this innovation and modernization, would, would love to hear your take on that. Well, yeah, thanks, Anna, for raising that. And I really want to um, lift up what you said about the Emergency Food Network having been unbelievable innovators in this space. I think it's a moment to celebrate you all. You know, when uh, uh, people were, when we were at a point in the pandemic, particularly for seniors and other folks who were health compromised, just didn't want to leave their homes. But that raised questions around how do we get food to them? Uh, we saw food banks partnering with um, uh, some companies like Instacart and DoorDash to uh, get food delivered. So that started all of us thinking about, well, um, how do we do things differently for the longer run? Um, it, during the pandemic, rural areas and, you know, the, the challenges that people living there faced with respect to uh, getting to grocery stores, um, that started all of us thinking about, well, for food bank uh, deliveries, maybe we think about uh, lockers in rural areas where we can leave the food for families or uh, building out our network, right? How do we bring in more partners um, so that we're equipped to meet those who have the least access, not only to grocery stores, but to our services as well, our, 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 our collective services. So I think all of those issues really need to be on the table. And let's start with um, the, the value and goal of trying to reach uh, the most vulnerable, those with some of the most barriers first, and obviously also integrating uh, uh, modern services and conveniences into the way that we serve our program participants. I, I hope it's all on the table. Well, those are pretty exciting. I mean, when you think about the modernization, I like that word, by the way, and that was a good word. Uh, the innovative, um, you know, oftentimes I, I said in the monologue that, you know, innovation is the enemy of efficiency. 
or efficiency is the enemy of innovation, ever how you, which way you want to do that bumper sticker. Uh, but, but without innovation, um, Adam Undersecretary, that, that we're just, you know, we can't continue to do the work the same way we've always done it. I mean, that's the seven last words of a dying organization, right? We've never done it that mm-hmm. way before. So I appreciate your leadership so much in, in well, let's, let's figure out what we don't know, or better yet, let's figure out what we think we know for certain. <laughs> and, right. There you go. And, and see if we can, you know, if we can learn uh, a better way. And I think Anna, Anna touches on the challenge of how do we get food to the people who can't get to the food? And that that's a real concern we have for some of these special populations. Uh, let me give you the last word here and, um, and, and thank you in advance for being on the show and thank you for the next time you're going to be on the show too, so that, um, we can keep this relationship going. Well, always. And, uh, I think my last word will be one of just deep gratitude, both for, for what your organization does and, of course, all of the food banks and pantries and just the entire emergency food network in Michigan. Um, uh, you're such a vital, vital part of our, uh, our community and the fabric of our community. Neighbors helping neighbors. It, um, it is uh, inspiring every time I'm with someone in uh, this community, and I'm very proud to uh, play a very small role in it. So thanks for having me, and uh, thanks to all the folks who listen who obviously are really committed to food justice. Absolutely. It's a, it's a growing audience here for Food First Michigan. Um, I think we just last checked 75,000 subscribers to the podcast alone. And here on WJR, our home station uh, based out of Detroit, we're excited uh, the growth of the show. And, uh, but we're excited to have guests like you that help us understand that we are really making progress in this uh, war against hunger for all of our people. And as you said earlier in the show, we're in this together. We are all connected, and uh, it'll take all of us to solve it. She's Stacy Dean. She is the Deputy Undersecretary for USDA's Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, and she is our friend, colleague, and our partner in this great work to create a food-secure state. So thank you for being with us. Uh, Anna and I will be right back in just a moment to wrap up this show, Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Anna Almanza, our uh, co-host Jerry Brisson, unavailable for today's show. We miss him, but we're so thankful to have Anna, who is the Director of Policy for the Food Bank Council of Michigan. And, um, you know, I, I would say a rising star in this policy work, but I think your star has already risen. I mean, you're having such great influence on the work here uh, in Michigan, Anna, and also nationally, what are your thoughts about the show with under Deputy Undersecretary Dean from the USDA today? Yeah, and thank you for the opportunity, Phil, to be able to have this discussion with her. Um, I think it is exciting the work that USDA FNS is doing um, in both the WIC and SNAP space of really trying to think about how those programs can be more innovative and modern to the current needs that that families and households have today. Um, I think I'm encouraged to hear that it sounds like they're 
taking on some lessons learned from um, the work that they're further along with SNAP to hopefully inform the work that they're doing with WIC. Um, but very encouraging, encouraged the most, I think, in that they're really working to center the participants of these programs and those that are actively engaging with those participants on a day-to-day -day basis to connect to these benefits. Um, because I think when you know, we talk about that a lot, Phil, that we all can make decisions on what we feel like could be right for this program or that program, but bottom line is it's not going to be what works best for the individuals that are impacted by those programs or trying to access those programs, then that really isn't going to matter unless we're actually connecting with them to get a real understanding of what they need. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm excited that she also agreed the importance of the home delivery piece. So that's a big piece, I think, going into discussions we're going to have for the upcoming Farm Bill. Well, that's great. Those are great thoughts, Anna. I appreciate you. Anna Almanza, the Director of Policy at the Food Bank Council of Michigan. And uh, thanks for being my co-host today with Undersecretary Dean. And uh, I guess I'll see you in the office. But before that, we'll have a little food for thought. Investing in innovation and implementing what was learned is a tough job anywhere. But building into the fabric of the federal government the value of thinking, testing, learning, evaluating, and then repeating until you learn enough to make the changes that make processes and programs better is a Herculean task. But Stacy, that is Deputy Undersecretary Dean, is doing just that. A person who believes in this work of creating food security and is giving her life to living, learning, and leading in this space inspires me to keep putting food first, folks, food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.